post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, can severely disrupt the lives of soldiers and many of our other patients. What older medication might have great efficacy in treating the nightmares and irritability that often occur in patients with PTSD? You are listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman. And with me today to discuss a new affordable medication for post-traumatic stress disorder is Dr. Murray Raskind, professor and vice chairman in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences and director of the Alzheimer's Disease Research Center at the University of Washington School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Raskind. Could we start perhaps by hearing a little bit about the diagnosis of PTSD? Are are there some tips, some things we should be looking for? Yes. Post-traumatic stress disorder, or more commonly PTSD, is an increasing problem for many providers given that approximately 20% of the soldiers coming back, soldiers and Marines and other service members coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan are presenting with this disorder. And, of course, PTSD was first recognized in the Vietnam veteran population, although likely has been around since Alexander the Great and earlier. And these Vietnam veterans for months, years, and decades uh, after leaving the combat zone were continuing to have troubles with what can best be understood as an enhanced brain and body responsiveness to the adrenaline rush, or probably more accurately, the norepinephrine stimulation that is adaptive in a combat situation when you're trying and your brain is trying to keep you as alert and effective as possible so that you can survive. But something happens with these repeated exposures to life-threatening combat trauma that causes the brain to become hypersensitive to norepinephrine that is normally released to maintain and enhance arousal and alertness. And what these veterans, and remember it's not only limited to combat veterans, but what these veterans and other persons who suffered terrifying, life-threatening, traumatic experiences were presenting with were two major problems and many other problems that are consistent with the two major ones. The first problem was difficulty maintaining normal sleep often accompanied by nightmares that would reenact in whole or in part the traumatic experience. And these nightmares would be accompanied, or maybe caused by, it's hard to know what's cause and effect, accompanied by this norepinephrine surge that would awaken persons sweaty, anxious, hypervigilant, fearful, and often unable to get back to sleep. Certainly in the military population, but it sounds like also anyone who has experienced a life-threatening, very traumatic event, might also have these type of symptoms. Absolutely. That's a very important point. And although this disorder was first recognized in the combat veteran population, it soon became clear that other persons in the population who had experienced physical assault, rape, childhood, physical and sexual abuse, serious and life-threatening motor vehicle or industrial accidents, and serious and life-threatening medical and surgical illnesses were also at risk for developing post-traumatic stress disorder. And what sort of therapies have traditionally been used? It strikes me antidepressants, sleep medications. What has traditionally been the mainstay? Yeah, well, you've mentioned two of them, and we should also mention, of course, that there are psychotherapies, which involve attempts to re-expose the person imaginally to the traumatic event and try to desensitize them, and they've been certainly more effective than comparison medications. 
But primarily, these have been studied in the civilian trauma population, and, and that's also true for the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor antidepressants. The first two that were FDA-approved for PTSD were Zoloft, Sertraline, and Paxil, Paroxetine, based on studies that were done in almost exclusively civilian trauma, predominantly women populations. And there was no question that they were more effective than placebo, although the effect sizes were were modest. And they also had one serious problem in that the SSRIs, as we all know, are, are not effective for the sleep problem in PTSD and, in fact, can even intensify dreaming and slightly, but for a person who has sleep disruption at baseline, clinically significantly can further disrupt sleep. There is one caveat, and this is a very important one, especially for those clinicians who will be treating returning service personnel from military conflicts, and that is the one multicenter trial of an SSRI, specifically sertraline, that was done in a veteran population which was done between 1994 and 1996, and perhaps a little longer, was not reported in the literature until actually last year, 2008, and this study was negative. So sertraline for combat trauma PTSD, at least in the Vietnam population, was no more effective than placebo for core PTSD symptoms. Not that the SSRIs are not helpful for comorbid depression, anxiety symptoms, and sometimes helpful for the irritability, low anger threshold problem, but their reputation is a bit overblown for effectiveness, at least in the military combat veteran population. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Friedman, and joining me to discuss a new affordable medication for post-traumatic stress disorder is Dr. Murray Raskin, professor and vice chairman in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the University of Washington School of Medicine and executive director of mental health service at the VA Puget Sound Healthcare System. Uh, so, Dr. Raskin, that brings us up to Prazosin. How did we stumble upon this, and how effective is this medication? First, I should mention that uh, because they pay my salary, that I'm the executive director of the mental health service at the Department of Veterans Affairs and Healthcare System at Puget Sound, which is the former Seattle VA and the American Lake VA in the greater Seattle, Washington area. Now, when I took this job as uh, executive director back in 1995, I came to the VA to establish a geriatric psychiatry program focusing on Alzheimer's disease in addition to obvious clinical responsibilities. But I, I quickly became involved as the co-therapist for a group of African-American Vietnam combat veterans who decades after leaving Vietnam were still suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. And their main subjective complaint was that, Doc, I just can't sleep. When I go to sleep, an hour or two into, into sleep, which, of course, was usually initiated by an old drug that's been known for thousands of years called alcohol. The trauma nightmares would come back. I'd wake up sweaty, anxious. My wife had long moved out of the bedroom because I'd mistaken her several times for the Ed Kong soldier, and she wasn't going to go through that experience again. During the day, I was sleep-deprived, irritable, and uh, I'm on five different psychotropic medications, antidepressants, antipsychotics, sedating benzodiazepines, sedating antihistamines, mood stabilizers, and I'm still having the problem. And it seemed to me that this, listening to their stories, that this brain adrenaline rush was perhaps central to what was going on. And the soldiers, uh, the veterans, started coming up to my office seeking some relief. And one particular one was frankly suicidal. And I should emphasize that 
These trauma nightmares and severe sleep disruption, especially when self-medicated with alcohol, are, I think, crucially important in the generation of suicidal ideation and actual probably completed suicide, at least in the military veteran population. So I had to do something, and uh, in the literature there were a few studies, one done by Stephen Southwick and colleagues at Yale and the West Haven VA, where they stimulated the brain to put out norepinephrine, and in combat veterans with PTSD, there was a marked behavioral response with anxiety and flashbacks, whereas in the comparison group of veterans without PTSD, there was just some arousal as if one had a couple of regular coffee. So norepinephrine seems to be a key here. Yeah, it seemed to be a key. I took a left turn, and then which directed me to a right turn. So I went to the literature, and as, as many of us know, propranolol, the blocker for the beta postsynaptic receptor for norepinephrine, has been implicated in at least some of the anxiety problems. Public speaking anxiety, many people take propranolol before they have to give a lecture. So I gave propranolol to this veteran who was actively suicidal and had terrible trauma nightmares and post-traumatic stress disorder of a horrific situation in Vietnam. And he came back two weeks later, and although his blood pressure was down about 10 meters of mercury systolic, he complained that his nightmares were worse. So I went directly to the uh, physician's desk reference and turned to propranolol. And sure enough, after bradycardia and hypotension and bronchospasm, there is an adverse, another adverse effect, and that is beta blockers intensify dreaming. So I, of course, was surprised. It's not the first time I've, I've learned something late in my practice career, but I, I really was unaware of this. But I did know that of the two postsynaptic receptors to norepinephrine, the alpha-1 blocker, the other receptor, worked in the opposite direction from the beta receptor, which I had blocked with propranolol, which made the dreams more intense. So I thought, well, this is a long shot, but if I find a lipid-soluble, able to cross the blood-brain barrier blocker for the alpha-1 norepinephrine receptor, that it might make things better. So Prazosin is the only one. Our old friend Prazosin introduced as mini-press by Pfizer in 1973, the long generic is the only alpha-1 adrenoreceptor antagonist that actually crosses the blood-brain barrier. How has it worked? First, I found out that it did work, and then I'll tell you why I think it works mechanistically. I gave this veteran prazosin. You know, you have to start with any alpha-1 blocker, whether it's terazosin, doxazosin, most of the benign prostatic hypertrophy drugs, with a low dose, start at 1 milligram and titrate upward, which I did. And when I got three weeks later up to 6 milligrams at bedtime, he came over to me in our African-American veterans group and said, Doc, that's the first night I've slept since I returned from Vietnam. And I said to myself, wow, you know, I didn't know I was such a good psychotherapist because I thought clearly it had to be placebo. But many, many combat veterans treated with praise and later, it was pretty clear to me that this stuff was working. So we did a couple of placebo-controlled trials. And it's not so easy to do placebo-controlled trials in combat veterans with PTSD because they... You know, they tend to be concerned about being experimented upon, but we did one crossover study, which we published in 2003 in the American Journal of Psychiatry, and then a follow-up uh, parallel group study where we randomized 40 combat veterans with PTSD and nightmares and sleep disruption to Prazosin, and, and that came out very positive as well, with effect sizes for nightmares, sleep disruption greater than 1.0, and also large effect sizes on the clinical global impression of change, which we anchored to how are you functioning, how is your sense of well-being, how are you doing in your life, and how do you feel? And this was extremely positive as well. 
And you have to remember, these veterans receiving a pension for their post-traumatic stress disorder. So it was not as if they didn't have some incentive to hang on to their symptoms, but it was a lot better. So why does it work? Well, I learned more about it after I had to write grants to get money from the Department of Veterans Affairs to continue our trials, because the first review came back, gee, very interesting pilot data, Dr. Raskin, but your theoretic model of brain networks is lacking. I myself said, well, you know, if it works, <laughs> that's nice. However, there are some reasons why blocking the alpha-1 receptor for norepinephrine should be helpful for severe anxiety, fight-or-flight symptoms in PTSD. Tell us about those. Sure. First, it blocks the release of corticotropin-releasing factor, which is a major anxiogenic peptide. It also changes sleep physiology so that the types of sleep where nightmares arise from are reduced and normal sleeping is increased. And finally, it enhances rational thinking as compared to fight-or-flight thinking, at least in non-human primates. Now, I should mention that paradoxically, Prazosin actually increases REM sleep from which dreams arise. And this is not a sedating medication. It won't get you to sleep. Once you get to sleep, it will maintain sleep. And in our one study in civilian trauma PTSD, compared to placebo, Prazosin increased sleep total time by 94 minutes, which is way longer than any of the sedative hypnotics have done in placebo-controlled trials. And normal dreaming returns. It also doesn't get rid of normal anxiety dreams or normal good dreams. It just is effective for these trauma nightmares and sleep disruption. And because prednisone is short-acting, six to eight-hour duration, if one has daytime PTSD symptoms of hyperarousal and re-experiencing, a 10 a.m. dose will take care of those as well. So is it inexpensive, safe, effective? Should we be aiming for doses of around 6 milligrams? There's a broad range of effectiveness for younger women and elderly Holocaust survivors, for example. Often 2 milligrams at night will be enough. On the other hand, for large Vietnam combat veterans, sometimes they have to go up to 20 or 25 milligrams at night. The most common effective doses are somewhere between 4 and 15 milligrams at night for the nightmares and sleep disruption, and somewhere between 1 and 5 milligrams at 10 a.m., or sometimes BID, for daytime symptoms. Well, I very much want to thank Dr. Murray Raskin from the University of Washington School of Medicine for giving us this exciting news. PTSD is a very debilitating disorder. As Dr. Raskin described, we should be on the lookout for it. And now we have a medication that is inexpensive, effective, well-tolerated, that may significantly improve the lives of these unfortunate patients. I'm Dr. Lee Friedman, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.